praise team. And, uh, good to be in God's house this morning. You guys excited about being here? Uh, it's not raining in here, and that's good. Well, we're finishing up our legacy series, and um, we've, we've been talking about leaving a good legacy. We all want to leave something behind that's good. We want to leave life behind better because of our lives. We want to leave our families better. We want to leave our church, our community. We want to leave something behind that's good. And, and I think that's inherent in all of us that, that we want to, to, to do that. We've been using as the scripture for the series Proverbs 13, 22, which says, the good leave an inheritance to their children's children. And um, uh, we, we believe, I believe, that goes beyond just our bloodlines, but, but goes to those that we love, that we invest in their lives, that, uh, you know, that, that they, the legacy that I leave can go beyond just my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my children, and, uh, and it's the same for you as well. And there's been people in your life that have invested in you. It's been, there's been blood relatives that have invested in you, and then there's been uh, just other individuals that have invested in you. And as we've tracked through this and talked about what this means, uh, we, we've used this phrase, good people have a lasting impact on the kingdom of God. In other words, good people can have a, a positive impact on the kingdom of God. They can, they can do things that further the kingdom of God in the lives of people they love, in the lives of their family, in the life of people in their community. And uh, as we begin to unpack that, we realize it won't just happen. We, we just can't will this to happen, but it's based on the decisions, the choices, Choices that we make. We, we will make choices today that will affect our legacy. And, and so we'll say this one time together, one more time, say this with me. The choices I make today will affect my legacy. And that's true. The, the, the choices that you make today will have an impact on your legacy. The, the choices you make this week will have an impact on your legacy. And it will, it will determine whether your legacy is good, positive, or not good and positive. And so we've been working through that. And the first week we talked about the legacy we have with, with those who are closest to us. And, and we talked about family and friends and, and co-workers, the people that know us most. And, and, and the key word when we're dealing with the people that are closest to us is the word consistency authenticity, being the same at home as you are in the public. And, and, and all of us have had people that, that have blessed us by being consistent, authentic. I'm always thankful for my parents. My, my parents were not different in, in public than they were in private. They were the same. And, and so if we want to make a lasting impact, we have to be consistently authentic in the way uh, we live our lives. As a matter of fact, I, I would go so far as to say, it, it does your family, it does those you love no good to fake a spiritual experience outside your home if it's not real in your home. As a matter of fact, you do more harm than good. It would be better to be authentic to what's really going on in the lives of your kids than to try to fake something on Sunday mornings. So we talked about consistency. And then, then we talked about the, the church. And, and the church is not a man-made ideal. It's a God-ordained thing. That God ordained the church. The Bible tells us Jesus loved the church so much that he died for the church. So it's a significant organization not found in the mind of man but in the mind of God, the heart of God. And, and so the church is significant. And, and, and we just explored the possibility that somehow our legacies can be more positive, can be better if, if we make a choice to be committed to a church. You know, you, you hear all the time, and, 
People will say, well, do I really have to be a Christian or be in church to be a Christian? You guys have heard that, right? People that you love, people that you know, do I really have to be part of a church to be a Christian? I'm not going to say someone couldn't possibly be a Christian without a church, but I can say this, you are a better Christian when you're part of a church. It helps us, the discipleship, the serving together. There is something that we cannot do on our own, and we need other godly followers of Jesus Christ to gather around us and help us on our way. And so I believe the church is significant, and and our part in this is this loving commitment to another body. Um, Commitment's important because even in a church, particularly in a church, people won't be perfect, (laughs) and we have to learn to love and forgive and do all those things. So the question for this week, we're going to continue talking about the church, and we're going to talk about what legacy is our church leaving? In our community, what legacy is our church leaving? And I am thankful to be part of this church because this church has a long history of leaving a positive impact on her community. Uh, it's good to see Mary Louise back there. Hi, Mary Louise. Have I wave at Mary Louise? She's been out for a while uh, and been, been treated and back, and we're happy for her and glad to see her here. Um, but she's an example of someone who served God and made a positive uh, impact on the lives of so many. As a matter of fact, it, it seems like w- whenever I go and see people, it seems like two names come up of inviting them to this church, Doris and Mary Louise. And, and there's so many people that have been impacted by their love and commitment to this church. And our church is better. Our church has made a positive impact on our community because of people like Mary Louise and Max Case and Paul Whiteford and, and so many. Gene McBride, that, and I can go on and on. Mary Gingry, people who are serving in our community. And so we, we're part of something, we're part of a church that has had a positive impact on our community. But the past is past, and we live in the present. And the question is not, have we made a positive impact in the past, but are we making a positive impact now? And how do we continue to make a positive impact on our community in the future? Now, now the question that's often asked in relation to churches is, is this. If our church, if this was our closing service, if this was the last service we were ever going to have in this building and and we were going to close the doors and no longer cease, no longer be a church, cease being a church, would our community miss us? Would our neighbors know that we were gone? Would the people that live in the neighborhood behind the church, would they realize our church is gone? Would the people who live over here realize our church is gone? Would the people who live across Marysville and across Union County, would they realize that our church was no longer present? See, churches can blend into their environment. They can almost become hidden in plain sight. We can become, and I'm not comparing the church to a stain on the carpet, okay? Maybe ever have a stain on your carpet that's there so long that you no longer see it, right? It's still there, it's still visible, but you've looked at it so often and it really doesn't have that much of an impact on you anymore and so you don't see it, but everybody that comes in your house sees it because it's new, right? Churches can become like that. We can become hidden in plain sight. We can be there but not really be there. Now, our church is blessed. This 
in Marysville, if there is a better located church, I don't know what it is. I really don't. Uh, we're right by the fire, fairgrounds. We're right across from the high school. We have a highway that goes right by us. We, we are one of the best located churches that I've ever seen. We are highly visible. But a church can be physically visible, but not be impacting its community. And, and so that is the question. How do we impact our community not just impact our community, but impact our community how God wants us to impact our community, right? Now, I'm pretty simplistic in my view of the church. See, I, I believe that the church and why the church is special and, and why God has such emphasis and places such importance on the church is because I believe the church is called to continue the mission of Jesus Christ in this world. That, that it's significant that the Bible calls us the body of Christ because we are, as a body, meant to do the work of Jesus Christ in, our Mar in, in Marysville. If, that, if, that's, if you think that's true, say amen, right? Pretty simple. You know, we do vision statements. We do mission statements. We, 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 we do all these things. We design programs. But it's pretty simple in my mind. What we're called to do is be Jesus to our community. When people see our church, they should see Jesus. And the highest compliment anyone can pay a church is to say, I see Jesus in those people. And so when I consider what a church should be doing, I believe one of the things we need to do is look at what Jesus did and how Jesus saw his mission and vision, right? Does that, are, we, are we tracking? So we are to be Jesus... How did Jesus see his ministry? Who did Jesus see as his primary um, customers or people that he needed to serve? How did Jesus serve? Those are the questions that can, can, should consume a church as we consider what kind of impact we're making or leaving in our community. Jesus, who, who did Jesus think he was to serve. Luke 4, 18 through 19. These are the words of Jesus. And this is really Jesus' inaugural message. He's reading scripture in a synagogue and, and he's coming out basically with, this is who I am. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So before Jesus ever begins really this official ministry, he says these words, and then his ministry is marked by these words. Jesus did not minister from the inside out. Jesus ministered from the outside in. Je Jesus did not look for religious insiders. He didn't look for people who were just like him. But Jesus looked to the people that everyone else was ignoring. Right? You can't read the Gospels. You can't consider the life of Jesus without recognizing that Jesus didn't make a beeline to those who were religious and pure and clean and easy. Jesus went to the margins. He ministered to lepers. Who's a leper? Well, you know, this was a skin disease, but it was more than just acne. This was a skin disease that made them unclean. 
It, it made them so they, they could no longer live with their family. They could no longer buy and sell in public. They could no longer go to the synagogue or the temple. They couldn't worship. They couldn't be with family. They couldn't work. They were on their own until somehow they became, the, the leprosy was healed and they were determined to be clean. They were completely untouchable. It's remarkable. One of, one of Jesus' first miracles is with a leper. You realize that? One of, one of his first healing miracles is a leper. And this leper says, you know, I want to be clean. And the significance of that is, when I read this, he, he doesn't say, I want to be healed. He says, I want to be clean. Because the problem wasn't just the disease, but the problem was the disconnect. What was he saying? Jesus, I want to hug my wife. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my community. I want to be, I want to be with other people. I want to work. I want to be part of society. I no longer want to be on the outside edges. Those are the kind of people that were drawn to Jesus. Tax collectors. Sinners. And, 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 and when you see this phrase, sinners, this was the phrase the Pharisees would use in relation to people that couldn't keep the law like they kept the law. This was the designation of re religious people. These sinners. You know, the story of Jesus is so remarkable. Um, Jesus preaches on, on the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he says... If you call your brother fool, you're in danger of hellfire. And you know, we've heard that and heard that, but you know, fool was a religious term. <laughs> That's what the religious people said about the common people that couldn't live it like they lived it. And Jesus was basically saying, you know, when you religious folks look at these people that can't live the way you live, and maybe their environment and their family and their experience has been completely different, and they live in these messed up circumstances, and they don't understand, and you just say, oh, they're just fools. They'll never get it. They're just religiously illiterate. And when you, when you wash your hands of them, and you wipe your hands of them, and you say they're never going to get it, and you just leave it at that, you're in danger of hellfire. Folks, we need to wake up to the possibility that when we look at people in that way, we are really living on the edge. Amen? Tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, people on the margins. People, the good religious folks, the Pharisees, wouldn't have anything to do with. Jesus began his ministry there. He ministered from the edge to the inside. How did he minister? Matthew 20, 26 through 28, Jesus says, It's not this way among you. In other words, this, this prideful way. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, so you take these two passages together and Jesus in his ministry 
is serving to those others have forgotten on the edges, to those that other people won't have anything to do with, and he's serving and loving those kind of folks. We are the body of Christ. We are here to continue God's mission of redemption and salvation and healing. We are the people of God. We are the body of Christ. Continuing the mission of Jesus Christ. The church is, every, every once in a while people will say, oh, the church is the only organization that exists purely for the folks outside the organization. And that's not entirely true. You know, there is a need in the church that we be discipled, that we be loved. As a matter of fact, I'd say if you cannot love and forgive and serve here, it'll be impossible to love and forgive and serve out there. This is the discipleship, the training ground. This is the place where we learn what it means to live like Jesus Christ, to think like Jesus Christ. But that is not the end. That the end is not just what goes on here, but what goes on out there. And God is calling us, His church, to be serving and loving to the edges. To walk into the messiness of people's lives. I, I think it's a Marine slogan. It's a commercial that says, Marines run towards chaos. Am I right? Is that the commercial that they run for them? Yeah, you guys, okay, nobody knows. Marines run towards chaos. And every time I hear that commercial, I think church. Church. You know, we are not the people of God. The church of God, the body of Jesus Christ, is not an organization that runs from chaos, but we run in ready to minister and love and serve. Here, here's, the, here's the truth. Folks, you have people who are living on the edges, who are living in the mess, who are living in sin, who are living broken, hurting, lonely lives all around you. And he is calling us, his church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ. Our church leaves a good legacy when we choose to love our community. This isn't always easy. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we, we, we're, we're hurt by other folks when we serve them. That's just the reality of it. Sometimes we, we do all that we can and people fell us. Anybody ever been felled? So sometimes we, we teach and we love and we give and they just still reject the truth of God's word and reject what God wants to do for them. But God still calls us to love our community in that way. I think that's one of the things I like about our Vacation Bible School. And, you know, Vacation Bible School, it's a, it's a come and see ministry. But we do get a lot of kids that, that typically aren't here. And, and, and we get to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And you, you heard the little song that they sang. Every, every night they're singing ABC, Admit, Believe, and Claim, right? You know, that fundamental ideal that by faith Jesus Christ can be received and He can change our destiny. He can change our life. And so we ingrain that, we teach that, we, 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 we model that. And in our vacation Bible school, I, I got to tell you, I, it was probably, I, I can't 
think of a, a better vacation Bible school that I've ever been part of here or otherwise. I mean, it, it was, it was for, there was some, am I wrong? But there was something special about the vacation Bible school this week. It was crazy. We were tearing down the decorations at the end of the night, and there were kids, not our kids, but kids from the community or our neighborhoods that were going out that were crying because they were tearing down the decorations. It made me feel really bad. I did it anyhow because I wanted to go home before 10, but, but, but they were crying because vacation Bible school was over. And this was after five nights, two and a half hours a night. The kids were excited into it, and our adults were, our volunteers were. I was reminded of a, a Max, I think it's a Maxwell phrase. Maxwell says, attitude determines altitude. <laughs> In other words, our attitude will determine the, the effect of something. And, and, I, and what I got the sense of in our vacation Bible schools, our adults had this attitude of, man, I just can't wait to serve. <laughs> and they were ready. They were tired. Adults, were you tired? But you were ready to serve. And it made a difference. There's other ways that, that you can commit as a church body. We've got our crisis and school packs out in the foyer, and we can participate and bring things in. It doesn't cost us a whole lot of money. All it does is a little bit of effort, and we can make the difference in people going through the refugee crisis with kids going to school. We can help in that way. Hope Center, you can participate in Hope Center. Um, Hope Center is not perfect. It's not. But, but folks, i, I got to tell you, you're blessed to be in a community where churches are working together on things. That, that we love one another, that we can have meaningful conversations. This is not the way it is in every community. You realize that, right? But in Marysville, churches of different tribes can gather together and pastors can have conversations and we can, we can disagree and still on theological things, but still serve together as the body of Christ. And so there's ways you can serve there. Light up Union County. You see the map and all the ways you can serve. Uptown Friday nights, which have been outstanding. Fall Fun Fest, which is coming up. Upward Basketball. All these ways as a church that we give you opportunity as a church to, to have a loving commitment to your, to your community and serve. But, but it's more than just... As we think about these things, it's more than just the official things we do, but the unofficial things. Now, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. All right? Jesus said that. How many fishermen do we have here? Right? You guys are afraid to raise. Is this an offering? Anybody fish in here? We got somebody fish. Yeah, we got a few. You know, we fish. It's individualistic. You know, we have our, our, our rod and our rail, and you can fish by yourself. You don't need other people. But when Jesus fished, and when Jesus was talking to those people, he, fishing was completely different. It was a net and it was two or three together. And so I think we sometimes miss the significance of what it means to be fishers of men. We, we, we tend to think, well, it's just me out there throwing out bait. But really, fishing best occurs in the context of what Jesus was saying together. That, that somehow, when we serve together we can effectively be fishers of men. That somehow, mysteriously, supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do more with us together than we can, can on our own individually. Right. That, that somehow those corners of the nets that we don't have hold of, God can grab hold of when we do this together. And so my, my encouragement of you to, for you today is that not only do you serve in those ways, but you particularly find someone to serve with. 
What, what, what would happen if you say, hey, let, to your friend, let, let, let's, go to, let's go to Hope Center and serve on Thursday. Let, let's serve together at Upward. Let, let's do the Fall Fun Fest together. Let's, let's serve together. What would happen if you said, hey, my neighbor has this need, and, and I want to meet it, but I want you to come along beside me because I believe somehow together we're better. What would happen in those circumstances? There's a story of a pastor, and he was pastoring a church, and the church was right next to an orphanage. And you could look out the side window, and there'd be the kids, and it was sad. You know, it was sad. You, you knew these kids didn't have a home. They had the orphanage, but, but, but there wasn't a mom or dad. And it was just a sad circumstance, and, and, and a new member became part of the church. And after a while, the pastor came by, and this younger new member was looking out the window, just weeping, looking at the kids. And the pastor said, you know, that's sad. I know it's sad, but it's okay. You'll get used to it. And the person said, that's why I'm crying. I don't want to get used to it. Folks, may we never become accustomed. May, May we never get used to lost, broken people all around us. The the, the truth is, in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, in the houses all around us, there's people who are broken and hurt that need a Savior. May we never get used to them being there. May may we never just say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. In October, we're going to be doing a series on mission. And so I've just been talking to people about how they came to Christ, you know, their stories. I encourage you to do the same. Start talking to people in the church and and ask them how they came to Christ. And, and, And I've been making kind of a remarkable observation in most people's life, it's not like, well, I just walked away from God and I decided I didn't want to serve Him anymore and then I came back to faith. Every once in a while you hear that, but most of the time you hear this. Well, I was part of a church, but all I saw was rules and regulations and I didn't know anything about relationship with Jesus. I didn't know what He wanted to do. It just seemed like it was all these things I had to do to please Him. Or I really was never part of a church and I had no, I had no idea what, what it was all about. And, and then I met this person that, that began to explain to me or, or God intervened and I began to hear differently from God and I began to reimagine what Jesus was all about and I discovered that it wasn't about a building, it wasn't just about a time of service, it wasn't about rules and regulations, but it was a relationship with Him and it turned my life upside down. See, see, we have this assumption that all these people around us that, that maybe have not come to faith, that, that somehow they have rejected what we know. But the truth is, you have people that live all around you that have no clue about what God has done through Jesus Christ for them. The Word says, without a preacher, how will they know? You say, well, there you go, preacher. That's all on you. I I think the Word of God is expansive here. And and I think the preachers that he's talking about, it's not just me, but it's you. It's the people that... See, because we live in a a culture... I don't want to go down too many rabbit trails here. I better rein it in. But we live in a culture now where they don't just accept somebody's authority just because because I'm a preacher. People aren't going to believe me, right? right? But it's all based on relationship. And so they know you, 
They see your home. And if you can give a word, if you can speak a word of why your life is different, it will be far more effective than a preacher giving the four spiritual laws or talking about the ABCs of salvation because you're authentic and you're real and they know you. In, in August, we're going to begin a series called Generations, and I'm excited about that as well. And in, in Generations, we're going to talk about how God works together in a church and, and, you know, multi-generations. And, you know, I'm excited about this church. We are a multi-generational church. And, and so I'm excited about what can happen when we together, not just young and young, but young and old, mature and less than mature, begin to serve and love together. What can God do in our church in that circumstance? But how, how, do, we, how do we end this series? Because I know some of you, if you're like me, when we talk about these things, I'm challenged by these things. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm challenged because I know sometimes my choices don't affect the legacy that I'd like. Now, I, I choose every once in a while to, I know no one else in here ever does this. I, I choose to sit and veg in front of the TV far too much, right? No, nobody else, you guys don't even have televisions in your houses, do you? <laughs> I choose... In my life, oftentimes, more times than I'm pleased with, I choose the path of least resistance to the harder way, which leads to a better legacy. So I'm always challenged by this, and I think about failures in my life, times I, was, I messed up, and I think, well, how can God redeem that? And then this scripture came to me, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. I, I think this speaks to, to this message. It's a good way to end this series. Paul writing, referring to God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> That's why I have hope for my legacy. Because God can do immeasurably more than I can even ask or imagine. And so I, I think it's appropriate this morning that we kind of close in praise to him. We're going to sing the lion and the lamb. They sang the lion and the lamb at camp meeting. Um, I don't know. I guess it's been three weeks ago or so. And, and I thought, man, what an awesome song. And, and I'm thankful that God is still having people write awesome songs in praise of Him. And it reminded me as I thought about that, that my, my theology of worship is that, that, that God, God requires praise and, and, and He's worthy of our praise. And, and I'm reminded of this verse from the love of God. Anybody heard the hymn, The Love of God? You guys are familiar with this? Verse 3 of The Love of God in our hymnal. Now, I'm not sure if it's the verse 3 in the way that the author wrote it. Wrote it. it was written in 1917, but verse 3, as I understand the notes, come from a poem written in 1050, nearly a thousand years ago. And the writer says, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the hope, though stretched from sky to sky. As I consider those words, and, and here we are, we're singing a song from 2015, I think how prophetic that is. See, here's the reality. For 
For 7,000 years, <laughs> they've been writing songs about our God. And it's not enough. And, and if Jesus tarries another 2,000 years, they'll still be writing songs about our God. And it's not enough. Our God is worthy of praise. And if we write praise songs with him, about Him for our entire life, there's still more music to be written. Stand with me if you will. Lord, help us now to um, praise You, the Lion and the Lamb, the author, the finisher of our faith. May we truly reflect on You and give You the praise You're worthy of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.